0: Welcome to Zen Mind, a podcast featuring talks from Zenki dillo the guiding teacher at the Boulder Zen Center here in Boulder, Colorado. Zenki Roshi's teaching is made possible through the Boulder Zen Center's membership program. If you're benefiting from these talks and would like to continue hearing them here on the podcast, I hope you'll consider becoming a member. You can do so on our website, boulderzen.org, and you'll find a link in the episode notes. Now here's Zenki Roshi with this week's talk. Good morning. Good afternoon in Germany. <clears throat> the other day, I um, had some blood drawn for a blood panel. No, just annual checkup. And um, the nurse was very polite. She was making conversation. And she asked me so, what do you do for a living? You know, something like that. <clears throat> I wanted to say, I breathe, <laughs> but I, um, I uh, refrained. I refrain because, you know, when I say something like that, usually my wife uh, punishes me with an eye roll, and she says, "Zen nerd." <clears throat> So, it's good to refrain. So, I I said, uh, I'm a meditation instructor. instructor. And she said, um, Oh, that's very cool. I like meditation. uh, But, I can never do it. (laughs) And so, I... um, That in itself, is such a statement. I like it, but... I can never do it. So I said, what, what do you mean you can never do it? And she said, well, it's just when I sit down, my mind is just out of control. And, uh, and I said, well, maybe, you know, you, you don't have to calm your mind. You can just be aware of your thoughts. And then she looked at me and she said, What arm do you prefer today? (laughs) 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 I said, the left arm, please. I think in our um, society, it's actually quite easy now to um, sell meditation as a way to improve something about your mind and your body. It's like, do this practice, do this mindfulness practice, and then you'll have uh, a calmer mind. Or maybe you can do this practice and you can do something about your the tension in your body or, you know, maybe certain pains will subside. And, um, and you know, on some, on some level, that's true. This can be the uh, effect of meditation but you can't um you can't try too hard there's a there's a problem here you know you can't try too hard and you also can't be uh too lazy with this effort you could we could speak about this effort that needs to be made in meditation as an effortless effort now if i said to the nurse you just have to make an effortless effort, you know she would probably say, "Which arm did, did you want to use today <laughs> so imagine uh imagine yourself as this jar of water and you and it has some sediment in it, you know and you shake it up and then you have water and you have the sediment swirling around in the water <laughs> and that's your mind <laughs> come on in. you get to sit on the tower of cushions So that's your mind, all shaken up, stuff swirling around. And the desire is that the mind be calm, that this swirling and this dirt is not going to be there. So if your goal in meditation is to get rid of the dirt and to have the water be still, then, um, you know, you might say, like the nurse did to me, I can never do it. I think um, what I wanted to say to the nurse was something like um, you need to just be willing to meet yourself completely. You have to be willing to meet the swirling around of your stuff and find out that it's okay to have this stuff swirling around but we can be uh we can be very invested in uh thinking that it's not okay okay so you have this jar and stuff is swirling around in it and then what do you do so if you have the idea that you want to um Get rid of the disturbance by i don't know getting involved with what's swirling around you add disturbance to the disturbance you you make it worse you know it's like let me like how do you do it when something's already disturbed are you gonna take a spoon and <clears throat> so you, it's obvious in this image you can you just have to put the jar down and and let. This stuff just settle. This putting the jar down and letting the stuff settle is, you could say, is um, the practice of stillness um, in in meditation. You know, in Zen in particular, there's a great emphasis on sitting still, physically still, because when you sit still with your body you're inviting the mind into stillness, too. So it's like the jar or something, you know. You don't move the jar. And then the water can become still. And then the stuff can settle. So then you can have the fantasy that the um, the goal of practice is to have this still mind, this clear water with no disturbance. You don't go about trying to make it happen, but you now you've advanced, you know, you let it happen. But still the idea is that's the goal. And in fact, in my experience, that's possible, you know. You can, you can actually sit and without thoughts. And you can feel the presence of your mind. And it's uh there's some insight that comes from that because you can realize that you're not your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You are, you know, you're not the dirt swirling around. Um, But I'm calling it a fantasy because life is not undisturbed. So if you have the fantasy, like, I just have to sit long enough for all this to settle down, and then my mind will be clear, so maybe you reach that, but then when you get up, it's gone. Or another thought appears, and the calmness of your mind is... is, um, Compromised. So it's really not about calming the mind. It's uh, it's about a shift of perspective where you realize you're not the dirt that's swirling around, but you shift to being the water. And you've heard these images before, like you sit and your thoughts are coming like clouds, they come and go, you know, and you can step back and be the sky. Or you the image of the ocean and the waves, you know, the the waves, many waves, but you know, the ocean is not disturbed by having waves. So this feeling. How how can we uh, commit so much to the mm, posture and stillness of our sitting that we uh, grow into this feeling of not being disturbed by the disturbance in our mind? I quote this very often because I think it's such a powerful statement. Suzuki Rashi said... uh, to stop the mind does not mean to stop the activities of mind. Th- this should stop us. <laughs> it's like, what? To stop the mind does not mean to stop the activities of mind. It means your mind pervades your whole body. Your mind your awareness, your attention, or your field of awareness pervades your whole body. You know, instead of having attention track like this, you know, this mind, this thought, and I don't like it, and you interfere with what is going on, your mind, your attentional field pervades the whole body. The body is settling into itself and the disturbances, the thoughts, the discomfort in your body, can just be there. (laughs) So, to make this shift, you really don't have to change any of the contents in your mind. The shift will change something about your mind, but it's not, you know. Now, I say all this, but it's not, um, it's not something we can really think our way to, because otherwise we would just go, you know, I would say this, you would understand it, and you walk out the door and you say like, okay, I'll do that. So the practice is, to commit to this sitting regularly so that every day you allow you invite this you invite this shift and this settling. And then there's a trust involved that this mind that you are inviting um, is available to you in your life. At first, it's not like so obvious, like you, you don't, you're not so sure about if it's really available. Like, uh, things are just the same. My mind is busy and I, you know. my experience is it does, it does, um, begin to penetrate or, yeah, be available in ways that we can't, uh, predict or, uh, imagine or, Control so there's this trust involved. I think for me, uh it was more like some kind of desperation, like I just didn't know how else to deal with my mind, so I felt like okay, i I just keep doing this, and probably I did keep doing it because even though I wasn't fully conscious of it the mind of Zazen to become available in some way. Now, um, last time I talked here, um, somebody said to me, I'm paraphrasing, but those of you who were there, you know, um, somebody said, there's, yeah, I'm paraphrasing, there are no real instructions in Zen, you know, it's no meditation instruction, <laughs> and um, that that was very disturbing to me. So I've been uh, feeling feeling this out. Well, it's not quite true, but there's something true about it because. It's the instruction, at least the way it was for me and how I'm continuing it is not very methodical. And so that can be confusing, particularly for us, maybe in our culture where we're, where we're used to getting methodical instruction. I mean, we think instruction is good when it's methodical and clear and it can follow it. And so, yeah, and there's some truth to that. But, for example, uh, take an instruction like, just sit. No, that's an instruction, you know? Just sit. And then you're like, okay. So, um, how do I do that? I think um, implied in the instruction to uh, just to sit is basically in the instruction to do nothing. And it's harder than it sounds to do nothing. And it's almost like you have to really be clear or break down what it means to do nothing. It's like when you notice the desire to interfere with what is happening right now in your body and mind, we're talking about meditation, you have the intention to drop that desire. When you feel the desire to interfere with what is going on in your body and mind at this particular moment, you notice that desire and you drop it. That's doing nothing. It's just the way it is. This is what's happening. Like I try to say to the nurse, you could just be aware of your thoughts. You don't have to stop them. You don't have to calm them down. Just be aware of them. That's doing nothing about it. If you continue to do nothing, what happens? Something actually calms down. I mean, layers of grasping and resisting sort of disentangle themselves There's this famous phrase, this famous Koan phrase, the great way this is from a poem, the, the the great way is not difficult, just do not grasp or resist. Okay, I've talked about this a lot, grasping and resisting, but here you see like the meditation instruction is actually the meditation instruction of just sitting or do nothing is to go just realize that. Do that in this moment. When the desire, when Grasping or resisting arises, you want to alter something about what you're experiencing. Just don't do that. And then you realize the great way is not difficult. So it's kind of interesting because when I say it like this, we know that oh, just not to do that is so, seems so impossible. But that is exactly the point. So we can be at this edge all the time. So I feel pain in my body. What is it like to just not do anything about it? The other day I woke up and I had like a little kink in my neck, you know. I slept on the couch because we have this baby and the baby cries and then, I, you know. So we just we all disturb each other. So I decided, okay, I'll sleep on the couch. And then I woke up, you know, internally like this. <laughs> And then I went to Zazen. Yeah, it's like this is also the problem. When you sit down, you feel more of what you're feeling. When you sit down, you feel more of how disturbed your mind is. This is why the nurse doesn't really want to do it, because it's like we meet ourselves more fully. It takes courage to do that. To sit down in the midst of everything that's wrong. And allow it. So uh, I was studying this, I because I felt my resistance to the pain in my neck. You know, it's like this contracted muscle, and it would be easy if you could tell the muscle, stop that. But the muscle has its own mind. You know, it's doing that. So what can I do? It's totally fascinating to me to become in the face of that which I don't like to become more still to become more allowing to become more to become softer in the presence of it to 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 sink deeper into stillness so you could hate your neck, but you know when you sit silent becomes this great teacher. So everything could be that way. Everything is that material for your um, meditation practice. (laughs) If you choose to do this just sitting instruction. So it's not imprecise. It's more like it's so general that actually everything becomes material for it. And then it seems very vague, okay. there's another instruction um think, not thinking <laughs> You're barely avoiding the eye roll, right <laughs> okay. Um, okay so this is coming from uh this is coming from a story where. Master Yao Zen teacher from the eighth century, a monk asks him. Basically, he asks him, "How do you sit zazen? What do you do in steadfast sitting?" And Yao Shan says, "Think not thinking." And the monk says, "How do you think not thinking? Good question. How do you think not thinking?" And Yao Shan says, "Non thinking." Wow. So what is thinking thinking is um you know you let's say you see uh, you see something and you say oh that that's that's the floor no that's that's a fan that's a thought right so have this or um you have a feeling and then you, I feel feel anxious okay then you have a thought. And then you have, um, what we call discursive thinking. You have, um, you sit down and you have, um, you string these kinds of thoughts together. You have, um, a memory and you tell a story of what you've experienced. Well, like I just did, you know, about when I had this conversation with the nurse. So I have, I'm conveying this to you in thought where you have, an image about something, and that's a thought. So there's different kinds of thinking. <clears throat> but this instruction, I think, if we can, if we can, um, if we again ask ourselves, how do we do it? How do we do that as a meditation? In, in meditation technique, right, you know, use it as an instruction. It's like, as um, my teacher B.K.S. would say, use this phrase: "Noticing without thinking about." You know, you could say that's basically mindfulness practice. Attending, using the mind, using the the function of the mind to attend. Without conceptualizing what you are attending to. Without conceptualizing what you're noticing. So, just seeing what you're seeing and not conceptualizing it. Not doing, oh, this is a floor and, you know, I like the floor. It's cherry. I'm so glad we have a cherry floor. Or, God, why did they put the cherry floor in here? I don't like cherry. Um... (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's that's noticing, and then thinking about it. So this this is a refraining, refraining from thinking about it, because the mind has a habit to notice and then think about it. And so it takes. We're talking. You know, I'm kind of talking. Continue to talk about effortless effort. You you have you kind of have to make an effort to not let the mind go into its habit of thinking about it. On the other hand, it's pretty effortless, because when you have found out that the mind doesn't have to think about everything, you just notice it, and that's it. You have the impression, and you move on to the next impression. So, thinking is actually the same. If you notice that a thought is coming, do you grab it and elaborate on it, or can you let the thought come, present itself, and then disappear? So, thinking not thinking is actually not not thinking. You understand? Thinking not thinking is not no thought at all. Thinking not thinking is as Yashan put it, and we don't know what the Chinese was, but non-thinking, and it's something like, do not let the mind go into elaboration on whats what it is noticing. And you can notice sights and sounds, and you can notice thoughts. (laughs) So there's a discipline here. And the discipline is tied to what Suzuki Roshi said, the mind pervades the whole body, because it's not like we're just cutting off thinking like that. It's more like we settle into a field of awareness that finds out it doesn't need to think. I'm not my thoughts. If I'm not my thoughts, I don't need to think. I can actually just rest in my presence. Now there's another instruction um, which is very commonly given to so-called beginners, but we're all beginners, really. Every moment we're a beginner. Beginner's mind. Because in each moment, this um challenge of how to um not grasp and resist exists you know for each person at all times so you're not done with this, this you're not done with this practice there's a book I picked up recently um this Korean master, Sung-san, um, and the book is titled Wanting Enlightenment is a Big Mistake. <laughs> that's a, that's a, <clears throat> a provocative thought. Wanting Enlightenment is a Big Mistake. Okay, so there's instruction that's given... um To beginners often, is to count your breath. If you haven't heard this, it's uh, you breathe in, and I recommend when you breathe out, you say one, breathe in, and with your out-breath you say two, breathing in, and then with your out-breath you say three, and so forth, till ten. And when you 've noticed that your mind is starting to go into discursive thinking, starting to wonder, you bring yourself back to one. The advantage of this me- one advantage of this method is it keeps you very honest about how your practice with thinking, not thinking is coming along <laughs> But it's interesting, uh, when I work with someone who is counting the breath and some people are very, um, um, disciplined about this. Other people, you know, are not. But some people, it's like, are really doing it. And then a common complaint, um, about this practice is it's, it feels so rigid or so, mechanical or it's like i feel like i'm putting my mind on a leash and <clears throat> yeah exactly that's what we're doing we're putting our mind on a leash and um and the people who don't do this practice these they would they usually come and say my mind is all over the place it's like i can't do anything about it it's like it's just rambling on and it's like it doesn't, it, n- it never stops. It's like, well, have you tried counting your breath? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's both true. So, um, I just, can say for you know for many years I didn't I didn't want to dismiss this practice of counting the breath. Although I didn't I didn't particularly like it. <clears throat> so I started um my meditation periods with counting the breath. And at some point I would let it go, the counting. Just stop counting. And there is, there is a, there's a technique here and there's a kind of progression when your, when your attention is stable enough to stay with your breathing, you can actually stop the counting because then you can just follow the, your breathing. It's just call that follow the breath. Counting the breath, follow the breath. Because your attention can just, as we discussed, just notice the breathing without thinking about it. You could say that these, these numbers are kind of proto thought. It's like I'm naming it one, I'm naming it two. And if your attention is stable enough, it can just, you don't have to count. But you can't bullshit yourself. If you, if your mind is not stable enough, it'll just go on and on rambling. So you can, You can do all of this. You can count the breath for a while, then stop. See if you can follow the breath, and maybe not just the breath, but follow other sensations too. Follow the sensations in your body. Follow the sensations of the noise from the street. Just notice the sound of the cars without thinking about it. Notice your neighbor breathing, (laughs) if they don't breathe silently. And then just sitting, just sitting, doing nothing evolves out of that. You can, it's like, yeah, you can just let go of the effort to count or to follow and rest in this field that opens up and just let things happen. So I think, and I've mentioned this. In the Q&A last time, but now I decided in this talk to elaborate more on it. There's a tendency in Zen to instruct the um, (laughs) endpoint, you know, just sit. But if we're honest with ourselves, and we, we really take this instruction seriously, we may, we find, oh, it's useful to count and then do that regularly and then Stabilize attention and then use attention to follow sensation, breathe breath sensation, sounds, so forth and then that leads us to just resting in doing nothing so in these you know you can find when when you hear meditation stru- instruction in other uh in other contexts it it's always related to to this kind of um yeah i'm hesitant to say progression because and this is this is maybe um um a, a particular approach in zen we trust that this mind of doing nothing, that this mind of just resting in awareness is always available. It's not something we have to like work hard to achieve. It's, it's always available. We're not used to actualizing it, but it's always available. So to to want some to want to want a certain state of mind to want a calm state of mind or to want enlightenment is already a mistake, as Master Songtsan say, or uh, Suzuki Rishi says, if you want to achieve something with your practice, your practice is already impure. Huh? Already impure. Is another self accusation. <laughs> oh shit! I'm already impure. <laughs> Dogen says it says the same thing in a similar, I mean that same thing in a different way. He says the heart of the teaching is the practice of a Buddha. Who does not seek to become a Buddha? At the heart of this practice is uh, the practice of a Buddha who does not seek to become a Buddha. To me, you know, a statement like this is, in a way, is already too religious. You know, Buddha. You know, I'm not even thinking about Buddha. I don't. I just don't want to just don't want to suffer so much. But being a Buddha is exactly that. It's uh, mastering your suffering. So at the heart of the teaching is the practice of a Buddha. And this, this is important. It's a practice of a Buddha because that mind is already something that's available. And by seeking to become a Buddha, you are teaching yourself all the time that, that it's not the case. You need to still work to get there. So you're adding uh, disturbance to disturbance. Okay, but instead of getting lost in those lofty abstract thoughts, we sit down... And we do that, yeah. Every time you sit down, you do that. You can help yourself by counting, and then for a while, and then following the breath. And but you keep in mind that at the heart of this, uh, heart of this teaching, is to um, to allow what you are encountering in your body and mind. And that includes the world, too, you know, because it's appearing through your mind. To allow what you're encountering in your body and mind to be the way it is. When you feel the desire to change it, you drop that. When you feel the desire to change that, I don't want that pain, you notice that and you drop that. When you bother, you notice that and you drop that. Thank you very much.